Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here in a back... Actually, Jacob, this is my cousin Jacob. Um, and where are we? We are in Phuket, Thailand. In? Uh, in a back of taxi driver. So we uh, are actually on our way to the airport. Uh, I'm going back to Chiang Mai. And Jacob is flying back to the US. where He lives in Los Angeles and works as a realtor. Uh, but this story actually began... Seven years ago now, in 2008, uh, in this same airport where we flew uh, here from Phuket. So, do you do you remember that? Yes, very clearly. Uh, it was uh, a trip quite uh, uh, unforgivable. And that was only supposed to be that short three-week vacation. What what was our lives like that? Like, what well, what was I like back then? If you if you could remember. Uh, back then, you were very energetic. You were very enthusiastic about everything that you see. Um, very open-minded and, and uh, just pretty much all-around person. And I think I was, you know, I was so happy because it was I was just a, a tourist mode. I was like, let me check out this place uh, and see if I like it or not. And I was gonna go back to my normal life back in LA. And did you expect me to stay? Did anyone expect me to stay? No, no, not not me, not my other cousin. No. And how do you think my family or the family reacted to that? Uh, I mean, I didn't know at the time, but obviously it, they probably won't be too happy about uh, your your staying here after you only came here one time. So I actually kind of stopped listening to everyone back home because everyone had you know, worries or doubts or every time I would talk to them, they would put fears in me. They're like, well, what are you going to do about retirement now that you don't have a 401k? Or what are you going to do about your career? Can you go back to your job? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? And it was all things that it was honestly a bit overwhelming because I didn't think 10 years ahead. I was only thinking, you know, what am I going to do next month? Um, I All I knew was I was stressed back in LA and I wanted something new, something different. And remember that first time we went diving? T- tell me about that experience. Uh, it was pretty different, um, as we have never done that before, and we don't really have the environment back in California uh, to enjoy such a sport. So the first time when we dived together, that was quite an experience, as as in uh, it's new and um, just that the fact that we're underwater. Uh, it, it there's so much to see and there's another world down down in the ocean that we never ever get clo- close to discover um, and uh, once we we see what's really uh, diving's all about um, and that kind of opens a, a, another channel for us to, to explore and what's crazy and it never really hit me until now is how much time has passed because I stayed and I just kept diving. And Jacob went back to his normal life uh, and he went back to work. Uh, he did change careers, but you know, 
pretty much you know went back to his normal life and only went diving on vacation once more after that and it was so weird because we were going on we were diving here we went to Kopipi for five days and we'll talk about that in a second because it was such a good trip um, and I realized I've now had I've now been diving over 800 times and as a as a normal tourist you know who only comes once every few years Jacob had only been diving 10 times or less and it was such a weird experience because we had done our first dives together it's almost like imagine two people learning to walk at the same time and all of a sudden you know one person had you know now can run um 80 you know these ultra marathons and another person is still learning to, to crawl because they haven't really practiced rent, you know walking for for that many years like well do you, isn't that crazy yeah yeah it's uh i would say that uh if i really had a chance to to stay uh and uh and you know keep going and then start doing more divings i would you know it's uh just that um realistic it's not really possible for me um i do have other lives back in states and uh i mean i love diving don't get me wrong just that i don't know if it's worth me uh, uh staying here and doing what johnny does so what do you think were some of the the gambles or the worries or concerns that you know that were valid you know there was a lot of things that i risked coming out here what do you think were the, some of the things that people worried about back home when, when i decided to to move out here well, one of the reasons we're worried is because, well, at least I was worried at that time, is that it's kind of an impulse decision. Um, and uh, we, I didn't know how serious you were at that time. Um, it was just kind of like a spur-of-the-moment thinking that you all of a sudden describe something that you like, which is great. great. However, you know, <laughs> you still can't just, um, you know, leave everything behind and, uh, and, 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 and get, get, quit your job. You know, get rid of your apartment and uh, things like that. You know, there's a lot of things that goes behind, you know, simply because you want to uh, do something else uh, rather than stay in your current life. So at that time, there was the worry because the impulse decision that you had. And you know what? Those, I, I would say definitely it was impulsive. But honestly, if it, if it wasn't impulsive, if I actually went back and thought about it and looked at all the downsides looked at all the fears you know and I never would have came I would have if it wasn't for me saying okay F it 100% I'm, I'm doing it I'm committing to it if it wasn't for that too many things would have come up you know I would say and I'm not unique I would say everyone has responsibilities everyone's life there's things that come up and everyone has reasons you know and a lot, a lot of them are valid reasons you know it's like by me coming out here I sacrificed a lot and I wasted a lot of money and a lot of time for the first couple of years trying to figure things out, you know, because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, but for me, it paid off and it was worth it because I'm I'm happy. You know, I got to see a lot of things, a lot of cool stuff. You know, maybe it's not for everyone. If they're not willing to take that risk and that gamble, maybe it's not it's not worth it. Or maybe if you're, you know, if you are working on a career that you're very happy with back home and you want, you know, and it's not location dependent. You know, let's say for for example, as a real estate agent. You know, it's very hard or if not impossible just to be like, OK, well, I'm moving to another country and um, I'm going to leave, leave all my clients home and the brand and the reputation I built up. Um, but for me, it was worth it. And do you remember 
kind of specifically what I said when I when I decided or how I how I made that decision and what I said to you. Um, I remember we we're on the boat. Um, I think there's all three of us, uh, and uh, it was it was the day to remember because uh, on that boat. Um, there's three of us, and somehow all three of us cousins are going to the front of the boat. So the boat is going, you know, going fast, and then we're just talking and enjoying the sun, sunlights, and enjoying, you know, the scenery, uh, watching the oceans. And uh, Johnny, all of a sudden, uh, have this idea. He turned around. He says, "Hey, cuz, um, I've decided uh, I'm gonna move to Thailand, and uh, it doesn't matter what you guys say." Um, I'm gonna do it. And <laughs> how did you feel at that moment? Did you think I was serious? Like, what was going on in your mind? Um, it it, it was bad. It was uh, <laughs> it was one one of those moments where you you think that oh my god, my little cousin's uh, uh, you know, is making a life decision, uh, just because he came here over <laughs> with two of his cousins and. Uh, uh, actually, in the, in the, you know, our first instinct is how I'm gonna explain to uh, Johnny's parents uh, if they find out that we he actually decided because we went on a trip together. But that was afterwards. Uh, uh, what, the other thing that concerned us the most is how he's gonna make a living here. Uh, you know, he doesn't speak Thai. Um, he has never been in this country before. Once, you know, he probably read it on the internet which I doubted he did at that time um, it's just you know a fun trip you know among cousins and uh, you know of course you know if he wants to do something uh, we know that he has a capable you know he's capable you know to 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 do to finish the uh, to finish it however it's just there's too many uncertainty involved and uh, uh, we, as a cousin, of course, want to give our honest opinion, which we didn't think was a good idea at that time. So I want to give a shout out to two people. Uh, first is Larry, which is the other cousin that, that came out here uh, with us. And actually, Larry just came to visit about a month ago, and we went diving in the Similan Islands together. We did that liverboard. So if you want to check the blog, there's a, a video and a write-up about it, which is basically diving on a um, on a cruise boat almost like a diving specific boat where they take you out and you live on the boat and you sleep on the boat and you know there's a, a cook on there that cooks for you um, and it's one of the best ways to go diving if you have you know three or four days to just dedicate to it uh, so what's up Larry if you're listening and the other person uh, who I don't know and I never met but you know was the biggest inspiration for me to make that move was Tim Ferriss you know the with the four hour work week if you guys haven't read it it's it's really the manifesto you kind of everyone listening to this and you know wanting to live this lifestyle really has to read it because he was the only person i've ever heard talk about you know doing this as a possibility and obviously he has those slightly different circumstances um from everyone else he had a company already he's a you know very smart guy but i was it was because of his book and what he had laid out in it that I was thinking, you know what, I have a guide. It's possible. Unfortunately, there was nobody else talking about it, you know, specifically moving to Thailand, specifically doing the things I wanted to do, which was quit my job and become a, a dive master and, and 
start taking people out, you know, scuba diving and being a professional at it. Uh, nobody talked about doing Muay Thai uh, as a Westerner, as a living. And here's the crazy thing is plenty of people do. There's actually a lot now more and more. But, you know, even when I started, there was there was people doing it, but nobody was sharing the experience. Nobody was talking about it. There was no podcast about it. I couldn't even find any blogs about it. And that's why I had started my first Muay Thai blog, my fight camp, which I don't update too often anymore. But tons of people actually still find it when they are looking to do Muay Thai in in Thailand. Uh, And that's why I wrote my first book, 12 Weeks in Thailand. Uh, Do you remember when I first came out with that book and you read it and did it it kind of relive uh, that first initial trip and, and explain a lot? Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. I think uh, for a person who have never experienced that before, um, the book itself would uh, give a clear guidance how uh, it really felt because I think that's how Johnny really felt when he went to the trip. And uh, all that are uh, life, uh, lifelike experiences. And I think by reading that book gives um, just that so much little more confidence to do things that you want to do. And uh, especially if you come to Thailand, um, that's something that you, you need to know. So if you guys haven't read the book, you can find it on Amazon or at 12weeksinthailand.com. And it was kind of uh, it was kind of my savior in the beginning because I had I had decided I was I was done taking people scuba diving. It was one of those things where I loved doing for a year or two, and then my passion for it slowly diminished and and you know it started fading just because. It became a a, a, a a chore, you know. It's like imagine, you know, you love driving cars, you love racing cars. Let's let's say you love racing motorbikes, like Jacob does. He's a avid uh, motorcycle racer. But now your job is to take people on the the safety course and the beginners course every day, and you never get to ride faster than you know twenty miles an hour. <laughs> it, it makes it it makes it a little bit boring for you after a while. A little bit stressful. Um, so that's the reason why I wrote the book is because I really wanted to share the story with everyone. But at the same time, I needed to make money. And I had no idea how else to make money while traveling in Thailand and do the things I loved uh, besides trading my time for money and having a very low-paid job. I mean, I made enough to live in Thailand. But if you calculate it back to the U.S. dollars, it was way less than minimum wage. You know, I, I would be happy to make $600 a month uh, which is just enough to get by, you know, and live a, a good life on the cheap, but not a, a great life. And that's what the whole book was about, was teaching people and showing people how they can live the good life on the cheap, you know, enjoy a stress-free life, do what they love to do, um, make just enough money to, to get by, not worry about having their job back home. But after writing that book, I realized, wow, you could actually make money doing other things online too. You know, obviously I could write another book, which I did, uh, or I could start a podcast and have uh, sponsors and advertisements. Or I could start an online business like I've done. Uh, when I when I first came, I think for four or five years, I didn't. I, I was broke. I mean, did, did you guys did you guys know how poor, you know how broke I was? And uh, what when I started making money, did you even realize what was going on? Um, I I think I know the story about. Uh, you were struggling. Um, there are certain times that I, I mean, we would think that you know you would have give up uh, by then uh, because you know anybody who 
has a great job back in the States in a very reputable American company, sell his uh, two cars, you know, uh, get rid of his apartments, sell all his belongings, and uh, all of a sudden uh, move back to Thailand two weeks after he came back, uh, and uh, he's going back to Thailand again. So we, as a cousin, we did not expect you to stay as long as you did. Uh, we were thinking that something like that happened, maybe you could be back in six months. So if you really insist to come back, we'll let you try. You know, as a family, we support you, of course. However, you know, it is your decision because you're going to be end up the one that's taking up the responsibility. So, but if, no, with that said, I think we we know how you know tough it is. Uh, for you to come here uh, without knowing anybody, uh, there's no single person that you know when before you come over, and uh, you know, and uh, to 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 actually, you know, find a job and survive without saying a word of Thai, I I I, I can assume that you you went through some tough time. But you know, our family did that, you know, 40 years ago when they moved from. Taiwan to the U.S. for the first time, and they didn't speak any English. They didn't, you know, they didn't have any um, any money. You know, like I remember my my parents had all everything that they owned in a few suitcases, uh, and they had some cash. I think they had two thousand dollars in cash, which then was actually you know quite a bit of money. But to move to a whole new country and have uh, a baby girl, which was my, my older sister, uh, I wasn't born yet. And I remember them saying that they even brought blankets because they knew how expensive they were. And even though it was heavy to bring, they knew that they could not afford to buy, you know, new bedding or new blankets when they got here. And they had moved here uh, and stayed with my uncle, uh, our fourth uncle, Alvin's dad. And if they had been through that struggle, I must feel like it's in our our DNA, our our blood to be able to struggle as well and say, you know what? Like maybe sometimes the place we're we're born, the the life we're born into, the things we're handed, you know, the things we're supposed to do, the job that we get, maybe it's not our only option. Maybe if we really want something, we can we can get something else. And, and you're the same, you know. You you immigrated from Taiwan. Uh, tell us about that and how how is there any similarities between between that when I did? Um. Yeah, I guess I can say that it's. Uh, quite close I immigrated here when I was 19 so I had a chance to uh, explore a new different uh, area uh, sort of similar like what you did uh, but I, I do have uh, my mom uh, that comes over with me at the same time so in a way you know I had it a little easier than you are uh, but I'm sure in some ways it's similar because I don't really speak that much English to begin with and the struggles that you're going through, going through a new different country. I remember uh, trying to order uh, <laughs> uh, something to eat. That's if I go to McDonald's. Uh, and, uh, you know, back then there's no picture menu. It's all in words. Uh, you really literally have to read out the words. And I remember uh, it was a hard time for me to order any food. So I have to kind of point my food and... Uh, there's some other random guys standing by my table. Then, uh, I, since I've been eating the same thing for uh, past two, three months, 
and I, I kind of just you know asked him if I can switch with him, and he was kind of enough to switch with me. So that was a, uh, a memory. I remember uh, how hard it was at that time, um, and uh, you know I think for 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 that part, in a way, I guess you could say it's kind of in our family blood to to start off something and, and then build on it. Um, and uh, the experience that I have of moving to a new country are uh, quite challenged to begin with. However, um, you know, I guess the fun part is, uh, you know, you know by the end of the day, you know, you make it through another day. Um, and uh, that's always so much more rewarding. And I think one of the reasons I decided to move from Taiwan to America is I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't happy you know what I was doing. You know I wasn't satisfied. I feel like I can do more, and also I I always intrigued somewhat about the Western culture, and I want to see it for myself rather than have somebody else tell me what it's like. So in that regards, I think we're quite similar. You know, I actually never really thought about this until we've been sitting here in the car. So I'm glad we're doing this interview. I mean, you know, we spent the last two weeks together traveling around, and. You know, Jacob is my, one of my best friends. Even though he's my cousin, he's one of my best friends. And we back, we live back in LA. We partied up every weekend. I would drive to his house. I was, I was living in Orange County, and I would sleep uh, on his mattress on, on the floor with his roommate David. So, what's up, David? <laughs> and it was such a good time, you know. Like we, and it's it's crazy how our lives are now kind of crossed again. Even though we are now, I'm living on the other side of the world. And how much our lives are similar in this sense, you know, we're, you know, for different reasons uh, and to different countries. You know, I'm also basically an immigrant. You know, I've also wanted something different and something better, uh, something to make me happier, and you know, really, so I can experience it for myself and not just watch it on TV, not just watch it on on Discovery Channel. I mean, I wish you guys can see. Uh, this on video, um, you know. Unfortunately, this is this is just audio. But we are driving through, the, like here. I mean, just explain to everyone what what we what we see. That is, to me, is normal now because I see all the time. But like, what is it like as someone who lives in Los Angeles to to even drive through where we are? Uh, this is not normal. I'm actually seeing uh, a lot of um, I think it's cows. <laughs> I, I am looking at the mountains, uh, the mountains that has looks like a rainforest, and um, it's very different than the scenery back to LA. And I feel like I'm, uh, in fact, I'm going to airport, but this makes me feel like I'm going on an adventure, going somewhere. And uh, <laughs> I'm actually talking to Johnny on the on the on the, on the here, and even makes it uh, diff- different to put it into reality. So. Yeah, you know, I I agree, and it's I think every day here is it's it's kind of a weird adventure, you know. And I've gotten so used to it where when when thing you know like for example we were on the ferry yesterday from uh, Kopipi where we spent the last five days uh, to just to Phuket so we can fly out, and you know they were they actually went the long way to show everyone the Maya Bay. Which is where, uh, if you guys seen the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, the beach where that was filmed, uh, and they were showing all these other sites, and you know the sh- the ferry is really cool. It, I was surprised how good it was because it was only 250 baht, which is about eight dollars US, uh, and it's a two-hour ferry ride. 
and they like were providing like fresh cut watermelon <laughs> on the board. Uh, they were giving a tour of the place. Uh, I was very impressed with the level of service for for that little amount of money. Amount of money. And I actually want to say that Kopipi, for whatever reason, even though it's a very small touristy island, is so well organized compared to a lot of other places in Thailand. Uh, even compared to Koh Lanta or Koh Tao, this is like the place built for, for tourists. You know everything, and not necessarily in a bad way either. Like they just make everything very easy for for tourists. But what I was gonna say is, <clears throat> I didn't even look out the window, because <laughs> I, I had seen, you know, these things so many times, uh, and we had just saw it the other day uh, intimately because we went diving there, that I didn't even bother looking out the window. And I'd imagine, and I remember you saying uh, when we were on one of the beaches, and you were looking out at the sunset, and you were saying, in LA this would be a million dollar view. Explain more about that. Um. Yeah. Um. That scenery is still in my head, and actually uh, took a photo of it, and that becomes my des- desktop uh, background paper, and also on my iPhones. Um, it's just something that you cannot really describe in words. Um, it's you have to really uh, be there and and put everything t- besides you, and then just you know enjoying what's in front of you, and then. That you can really have an open mind to see uh, what you haven't been uh, seeing. You know what's 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 out of your ordinary life that you normally don't see. And I don't know when you do step out of your comfort zone, you go out, start traveling, start going to different places, and you find that little niche in your head. You go, "Oh man, uh, I wish I would know this. I would have come um, more. You know, I would have definitely come over." And uh, just to just see, to see different things, and uh, it just so happened I was on the beach, and uh, wasn't doing anything special, just normal things. That's something I would do in LA. I bring uh, you know my my blanket, my tower, not blanket, my tower. I bring a bottle of water, and just you know very quickly walk to the beach, and then want to get uh, some tent, you know, just relax, you know, before the ferry. And um, I was sitting there, I was looking at out. Uh, you know, just between the two mountains, and I see um, the sunset. You know, the way it it is. You know, it was displayed. It's just different. You know, it's almost like telling me. You know, this is life. You know, this is. You know, the way the sun shines, the way you know waters, ocean waves, everything. You know, the whole big picture. It makes you feel like you're part of it, and then. That's life, you know, and uh, it was just so vivid. So, um, if I was staying in LA, I would never be able to see it. And uh, uh, I, I'm also amazed the fact that people who live in the island can s- enjoy that, you know, thing on a daily basis, and they're just so rich with the life. They don't really need fancy televisions. They don't need, uh, you know, Ferrari sports car. They, they have the basic needs in their life, and let me say this: if I if I'm in LA and I see people has a lot of money, and a lot of people aren't really happy, you know, if you if you really know them, you talk to them, you know, they are always worried about something, or they always not content with their life. They want more, or they just not satisfied, or they have problems from 
from here and there.、Um, but you know, going to different regions, meet different people, saw the sunset and talk to locals, and just see the smile on their face. Every day when I wake up in the morning, we wake up at six, we wake up at seven early in the morning, and and you talk to them, they you know once you talk to them, you, feel, you know they're content,、um, and they don't really need that much in life to to be happy. So that's one of the soul searching, I guess, steps that I、uh, have discovered along the trip. Yeah, th- thanks for sharing that, because you know really, okay. Here, here's the thing about LA is we are so super close to the beach, you know. Wherever you are in LA, you're less than an hour from Santa Monica, from Venice Beach. You know these beautiful places, but no one goes there. <laughs> It's such a crazy, crazy thing. Living in California, you, we have access to beautiful mountains to go hiking, to go skiing or snowboarding,、uh, to surf, to go to the beach and just relax and chill out, but. People, if you really, if you, if you tell someone to actually show you on a calendar the t- amount of times they go to either of those things in a year, it's usually less than two. And in their mind, they're like, "Oh yeah, we go all the time." But you're like, "Okay, well, show me on a calendar when the last time you actually went, and it was six months ago." You know, they, it's and it's even though it's so close that you can technically go every day if you wanted to. You know, if and you. The reason why they don't is they're busy.、Mm-hmm. Everyone's so busy all the time,、yeah. and they're busy、uh, commuting to work and from work because there's traffic.、Mm-hmm. You know, I know some people who drive half an hour, an hour. Some people drive two hours to work because it's too expensive to live in LA. So you you live in, you know, in San Bernardino, which is、um, you know an hour east,、right. and then there's traffic, so now it's two hours. And you're sitting in a car, you know, back and forth four hours a day. You don't have time to go to the beach. You know, on weekends you have responsibilities.、Uh, you will have, you know, laundry to do. You have things. You have things to do. And people just can't afford it. I mean, I, I remember people talking about, you know, doing a,、um, a beach holiday, and they were planning it for like five months. And I'm like, why don't you just go, ne- you know, next weekend? You know, it's not even far. It wasn't far drive. It was like a two two hour drive. And it's because people are so busy that they have to plan things super, super far in advance.、Uh, and the worst part of it is because people are so stressed. Every Friday and Saturday night, people want to get rid of some of the stress. So what do they do? They stay home, or they party. <laughs> they go out and drink, and they spend a ton of money. I mean, okay. So money-wise, even though we're on holiday, we do all this crazy stuff. How much money? Were you spending every day doing, you know, eating, going out, doing all the things you like to do here, having having drinks, versus what you would spend back home in LA? Oh, uh, uh, that would be a number that、uh, you cannot do the same same thing you do here.、Um, you want to do back in LA?、Um, it just the number just won't add up.、Um, you will have. Probably spend four or five times more,、uh, and then you know you probably don't even want to do that to begin with. Um, um, so the cost for here、uh, for staying for for food,、um, I'm not talking about you know regular food. We we eat good sometimes. We eat, we order、uh, different kind of、uh, styles. We go to different type of restaurants. We actually enjoy、uh, you know eating out. And、uh, all those costs that's combined together, 
um, it's definitely a lot more making a lot more sense to spend money here uh, than compared to back in uh, LA. Well, for example, for uh, it was Jacob's birthday the other day, happy birthday, and for dinner we had um, this place that's called Matt's Joint or something, just a barbecue restaurant on PP that served ribs, had uh, like beef kebabs and some like different types of steak, things like that. It's it was all you can eat with a full salad bar, full, you know, pretty much whatever you wanted. Uh, and they even gave you a free cocktail or a beer. And normally, you know, I don't drink much, but I figured it's Jacob's birthday. We're on Kopipi, this island, party island. I'm going to have myself a lychee martini. <laughs> and it was 380 baht or something, which is $12 US. And for 12 bucks, you can have food <laughs> back home, but nothing fancy. And you definitely can't have a lychee martini with it. That would be twelve dollars on on its own in in yeah in Hollywood or Vegas or New York. Uh, so, and then the Thai food itself. So PP is actually more way more expensive than Chiang Mai. And let's talk about Chiang Mai in a second because we spent the first four nights there. Um, but in Chiang Mai, you can get Thai food. Let's say fried rice or pad Thai or something for less than sixty baht. So less than two dollars, a dollar fifty or two bucks. Here it's double. It's almost five dollars. But for some reason, uh, the food I actually think I don't want to say it's better, but the portions are definitely bigger and they're more westernized. Uh, so they kind of remind me of having Thai food back at home, which is which is kind of my palate. You know, as much as I enjoy very authentic or spicy food, sometimes it's kind of nice just having you know. Uh, almost American style style Thai food but what did you think of let's talk about Chiang Mai what we did how you liked it and then let's talk about what we did in Koh okay uh, Chiang Mai is something that I didn't know um, it's just it's a beautiful city um, it's a very unique um, and uh, it has a lot of history behind it because the first impression I have is I saw the gate uh, that looks like it's probably from about 300 years old, ago and uh, they you know they, they preserve it but you can still see you, you can still see the river that's around the gate and uh, they kind of it's interesting to see that because obviously they build a gate there for a reason uh, most likely for protections and uh, they also have a water uh, uh, river uh, flow around it so um, that was quite interesting to 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 see it and then uh, to find out why why did they do that um, and uh, another thing was to mention about Chiang Mai is the water quality um, it's probably the best water quality I have ever tasted uh, from any places I've been to and I've been to many many different cities and uh, uh, any regular bottle of water you buy from Chiang Mai uh, will taste like $8 French crystal water that you, you got in LA okay so that's a huge difference and then uh, it's it's a pure enjoyment just uh, uh, drinking the water from, from Chiang Mai and also I think because the water qualities are are so good uh, in the city and you can see the skin uh, from from male or female female particularly of Chiang Mai girls um, they they almost have this you know porcelain color very white porcelain colors 
of 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 of, of skin colors. So, and I think the majority of the reason that's because of the water qualities are so good, and um, you just have to be there to see it. Um, so the thing about the water, at first when Jacob was, he kept talking about the water, he kept raving about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's bottled water, it's exactly the same in all of Thailand. And then he took a sh- long shower <laughs> and he was like, man, the water here is so good. And I maybe I'm just used to it because I've been living here in that same condo for almost a year. And I was like, this is just water, you're, you're crazy. You know, let them enjoy it, whatever. We went to Koh Phi took a shower, and I was like, this water sucks. And I think on PP itself, it's because it's a small island and they have water problems. So it's almost like, um, I, I don't know how they actually get it. Uh, it's either rain, collected rainwater or it's like uh, desalinated seawater or mixture. Actually, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if the water on, on PP, Uncle PP is like a mixture of seawater, fresh water or some kind of fresh water that you definitely would not want to drink uh, 100%. Um, but even the bottled water wasn't, wasn't as good. And it's so weird because you would think it's exactly the same. The only thing I can think of is because they have to ship it in. It probably sits out on the sun somewhere, being trucked in from somewhere uh, on that boat. But either way, now I'm a believer. And I actually remember taking showers back in California where there's also <laughs> drought problems. Uh, and we have really hard water. you know. So after you take a shower, you still almost feel like... It's hard to get the soap off. Mm-hmm. What's kind of you know your hair is super dry, your, your skin. skin's dry. Yeah, yeah, your skin's itchy. Like it's not a, it's it's such little things that I don't even think about anymore. You know, there's, I keep thinking of life back in the U.S. as like, oh yeah, everything was so great, everything's so convenient. I can order whatever I want, you know, uh, online or um, for <laughs> with food delivery. You know, everyone speaks English. Everything is just so easy. But the more you know, I think about it, I'm like, you know, there was a lot of sacrifices living there as well. And even though there was a lot of nice things as well, I would say 100% my quality of life here is is better. Uh, and it's a blessing that I can't buy stuff as, as easily because, and I have to travel with it. So I buy less stuff. <laughs> so the goal, I really, really believe that financially, the, the best thing, one of the easiest and best things you can do is if you can figure out how to make a U.S. salary, if you can earn U.S. dollars while living in a place like Chiang Mai that's super cheap, that you can live for less than $1,000 a month and just save that money, you know, uh, just, you know, push it aside, put it in wealth front or betterment or buy, you know, just put it in your checking account. Don't even do anything with it you'd be better off than 99% of, of people or at least 90% of people back back in the US where they spend a ton of money. Like talk about your, your living expenses, your rent, your bills you pay per month uh, and then we'll, we'll compare. Okay, so I live in the uh, uh, two bedroom, two bath uh, apartment in the West Covina. Okay, so the rent I'm paying uh, uh, a month that's uh, around fourteen fifty. Um, that's US dollar of course and then uh, the uh, electricity is probably about 30 a month or 40 um, the gas is probably about 20 um, and also we pay water trash in that apartment so that's about an add on 50 uh, living expenses I would say without food 
uh, without any necessities, just basically living um, for rent uh, plus utility. I would say anywhere around about uh, $1,600. And so what is crazy is I when Jacob asked me how much is um, is gas or trash, I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, you know, what? we don't have gas. We, we use electric, electric here, you know. So th- I'm sure that makes our, our electric more expensive. But then things like trash, I'm like, I forgot that people actually have to pay for that. I almost can't believe they charge people for that. And there's all these little things like my cell phone bill a month is nine dollars, and then back home people pay eighty bucks or a hundred dollars for you know, and it's. It's so insane, you know. Like I literally have completely forgot. And then every single person back home has insurance on their on their phone too. And and insurance is how much per month for for like an iPhone? Like, uh, about ten dollars. So, so that's another you know, a couple hundred bucks a year, right? And yeah. uh, and nobody here. Actually, I don't know. Maybe people have insurance because it, you know, maybe it makes sense because you're you're traveling with it. But we don't need insurance out here because you just buy the phone straight out. Uh, so if it's so it's not like required. If back home, if you break your phone and lose your phone, you still have two years on the contract, even if you don't have a phone. So you have to go out and get another phone. You can't get it subsidized. Uh, I I really really think that there's so many like hidden costs of living back in the U.S. that I completely have forgotten about, ignored, and I'm sure a big one would be gas. I mean, like how much money do people spend on, on gas per week or per month now? Oh, uh, gasoline, it's uh, definitely one of the uh, places that you spend a lot of money at. Uh, probably one tank of gas costs about, anyway, depends how big the car is, what type of car you drive. But I would say anywhere between 50 to $80. Which is insane. And I used to pay that. And I used to pay, I remember I had a, I had a big sedan that would cost, and I had to use premium gas. That was $80 a week. A week. Now I spend way less than eighty dollars a month on taxis and, and transportation, uh, and then my my motorbike, which I drive around, a little scooter that I drive around Chiang Mai, I spend three dollars a week maximum on gas, and these things add up so so much. Uh, and with that extra money that we save, we can fly down to places like Koh Phi for way less than a hundred dollars, and enjoy enjoy diving you know enjoy the island enjoy all this crazy stuff okay so let's let's get back to what we actually did what did we do in Chiang Mai uh, we first of all we um, I'm a realtor uh, so I need a suit and I think uh, in, in Thailand it's actually a great place to get your suit made because everything is customized to your own uh, specifications so Johnny is nice enough to introduce me to one of his uh, guys that he uh, uh, regularly use, and, uh, and the guy uh, is also uh, some, somewhat famous, I think, in local community. So I was lucky enough to get to meet him and uh, get my suitmate in Chiang Mai. Um, and it was quite an experience, you know, to, to have someone major for you. And something like that, I think, back in U.S., Will probably cost anywhere from eight hundred to two thousand uh, dollars for a tailor made suit. And uh, in Chiang Mai, I think I spent a little bit more than two hundred USD to three hundred USD uh, within the range. So that was a good investment on, on that part. 
uh, and then we also went to went on a two-day uh, hiking. Uh, they call it tracking here. Uh, basically, uh, there's about four of us. Uh, the experience is pretty cool because they come pick us up in the uh, uh, a Thai truck, and they were designed to fit the passenger there. And uh, it was it was quite fun to be in one of those because in that area you you you're forced to talk to people that comes to to do this activity. So with a short amount of time, uh, we actually become uh, uh, pretty good talking buddies. And uh, so you know when we get to when we get, get before we get on the trip, we gotta drive about an hour to an hour and a half to get to that place. So during that time, you know, we're all from different countries. We just kind of, kind of share, you know, ask ask people questions, kind of share our experiences and where we're going, where we come from. And uh, after an hour and a half later, we finally got to the place, and we then uh, uh, see uh, start seeing the elephants. And uh, it was cool because you know those elephants are not what it seems on TV. They are <laughs> quite large. And uh, you know the trainer started teaching us how to get closer to it and uh, start feeding them food. Um, you know, giving them bananas, and they're they're very very uh, gentle creatures. You know, despite the fact how how heavy, how how you know uh, humongous they they are in, in, in size, um, they are they're they're quite friendly. So we was able to sit on the the elephant and. Uh, I think it's we we I feel like it's about maybe two two story high, you know, and and just by sitting on top of the elephant <laughs> makes makes it uh, uh, very interesting. And then I was we were you know walking with the elephant along the way, and uh, the trainer was t- you know guiding the elephant to go to from point A to point B, um, and we we're going through. Uh, grass, and then we went through rivers, and then we went up and down, um, you know, on the on the on the on the field. Um, so that's pretty cool, you know. That's really a good experience, just you know, to do the tracking. Um, yeah. So honestly, I, I I've been on tons of treks. I really enjoy it, and I always opt for the walking only treks because I don't want to ride the elephants. I don't want to do the the whitewater rafting, the bamboo rafting, uh, and what's funny is the walking only treks are actually more expensive than the the normal one that includes all the stuff, and I think it's because uh, it's usually a smaller group and because you're hiking for longer, so the gu- it's more work for the guide. Uh, but this time, because I was like, you know what, you know, my cousin's a tourist, he, you know, it'd be cool for him to see these things. Let's just do the the basic touristy trek. And in my mind, I was like, all right, when I get to the elephant. Um, place right the and the elephant camp uh if the elephants look like they're you know not well treated or they look like they're malnourished then i'm not gonna ride it but you know it, it was fine it was i mean it's honestly one of those things where ideally there would be enough land and resources uh you know that elephants could just roam wild all over thailand like they did 100 years ago or 200 years ago uh but unfortunately that's really just not the case you know and um there's a lot of things that I don't believe in, like, you know, they definitely shouldn't be on the street begging. You know, I've, I've seen that sometimes we walk around concrete, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, there's loud parties and uh, taking photos with, with tourists. But in these places, 
is really not the best environment by by far. Uh, but there are far bigger things in, in the world to worry about uh, than, you know, than tourists riding elephants. And unfortunately, you know, if we want to spend our time and energy fixing things, that's you know, we need to get to the root of of humanity's problems. And the, on on the big picture, taking you know photos with with uh, tigers or riding elephants. Uh, is a pretty small compared to the craziness that's going on in, in the rest of the world. Um, you know, not only to do with animals, but with humans and all that as well. Uh, anyways, that's beyond the, the scope of the show, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things where I've I've learned to kind of say, you know what, let me not get involved in things that I'm not going to, you know, control. If I'm going to do something about it, if I'm going to do- donate my time or my money or my energy to fixing it, I'll talk about it. If I'm not willing to, uh, to do those things, I'm not even going to talk about it because that, that doesn't help anyone. So, and try to, you know, when you come here, you know, just be, uh, just be socially responsible. You know, use your own judgment and say, is this something I want to do? Or is this something that, you know, as a tourist, I can enjoy and have fun? Um, you know, or is this really something I need to avoid? Uh, with diving, um, you know, overall, I, I actually honestly think that even though there are, you know, people that will step on coral, kind of, dist- you know, mess things up, overall, it actually ra- raises a rareness. Every time people dive, they see what's going on down there. You know, they see, and especially if people dive for over a couple of years, they see the coral slowly getting worse. And they realize, um, you know, maybe we should do something about it. So I actually think all these things are kind of raising awareness. Uh, so we are pulling up to the airport right now. It's been very fun, Jacob. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for, for joining us on, on this trip. Uh, Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, and, and thanks for coming to visit me. It's, it's been fun. Uh, if you guys want to know the whole story, read the book 12 Weeks in Thailand or follow my blog johnnyfd.com if you guys need to buy or sell a house in Los Angeles uh, contact me and I'll put you in touch with Jacob I'll see you guys next week bye bye thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast if you want to hear more including the bonus how to choose the perfect niche episode join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com see you next week and remember if you want to travel like a boss you need to be your own boss so start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of